Welcome back to the Jewish Growth Podcast. I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin. It is great to be with you today. As I'm recording, we're just starting the second week of the Omer, one of the most rewarding times of the entire Jewish year. And as we start this auspicious time, I've been thinking a lot about how timeless the message of Torah really is in our lives. In 2022, we can see, for example, a figure like Vladimir Putin, someone who seems to walk straight out of the pages of Tanakh, powerful, desperate, desperate for more power and money, ready to assault his neighbors in a naked pursuit of his aggressions. The man called Putin could just as well be named Sancherev or Nebuchadnezzar. Events of our times remind us how enduring the message of Tanakh is. But if the Tanakh teaches us that there is an evil aggression embodied by some figures, our prophets also teach us about leaders who embody everything that is good in the world. As we read in the last day of Pesach, the prophet in Yeshayahu Yudal of Isaiah 11 teaches us that there will be a future leader who embodies all that is good in, the, in humanity. And the most important thing about this leader is that the Spirit of God is within him. The Spirit of God will rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding. He will be imbued with the spirit of fear of Hashem, and he will not need to judge by what his eyes see, nor by what his ears hear. And as a result of this spirit of God that he somehow attains, this future leader will bring justice to the world, particularly through his words. He will strike the wicked of the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. And what's more, this leader is going to usher in a new era. It will be a time when the wolf will live with the sheep, and the leopard will lie down with the, ki- with the kid. A cow and a bear will graze, and their young will lie down together. And the culmination of it all will be that no one will desecrate God's holy mountain. For the earth will be as filled with knowledge of God as waters cover the seabed. What's happening in this futuristic vision? The Rambam explains the wolf and sheep living together is a metaphor. If the wolf and bear are attacking aggressive animals, the sheep and cow are vulnerable. In a future time, the wild beasts of the world, the great nations that have power that abuse it, will be subdued, and they'll live in peace with smaller nations. And so the verses describe both a leader who's imbued with the Spirit of God, as well as an error that will be ushered in. But how does this come about? The Rambam at the end of Hilchus Malachim in the Mishnah Torah describes these future days. According to the Rambam, these days here described are the Messianic era, and they're ushered in by this Mashiach, this man of God. But what kind of person will this leader be? The answer says the Rambam is, he will be someone who was Osek B'Torah, someone who's occupied with the Torah, someone who knows the Torah Shebechsav and the Torah Shebaal Peh, both the oral Torah and the written Torah. He'll be occupied with the study of Torah day and night, and he will guide people in the paths of Torah. And what's more, 
the world itself will become involved in the Torah. The Rambam writes that our sages, after all, did not desire these days of Mashiach so that they can defeat their enemies or so that we can revel. We didn't desire the days of the Mashiach so we could revel in our beach homes or luxurious restaurants, the Rambam sort of says. But rather, we look to that future time because it's an epoch when we'll be free to study the Torah. And the result of this is a massive movement where society becomes filled with the knowledge of God, like waters cover the seabed. That spirit of God is imbued in the human soul, be it the Mashiach or humanity, through the study of Torah. Now water, as we know, is an apt metaphor for Torah knowledge because our tradition compares the living words of Torah to life-giving water. Human nature unchecked leads people, countries, nations to grabbing whatever they want from others. There's just no end to the appetite for power and acquisition. On the other hand, the living waters of Torah refine us and even, even enable us to overcome our nature. One of the natural drives that we feel in life is a sense of competition. Have you met someone that as soon as they saw someone else has something, then all of a sudden they want it? For example, you open a store and let's say someone else opens another operation. You feel threatened. Well, most people that's true, unless you're the Chavetz Chaim. As Rav Yisrael Meir Kagan's biographer, Moshe Yosher, attests about the Chavetz Chaim, when he found that too many people were frequenting his store in the small town of Radin, he closed the front door so the street to his business would not feed people in and his business would be harder to notice. He actually made continual efforts to assure the success of his competitors. You see, he was worried that perhaps as a Torah scholar, people would favor his business. And so he was always worried about his competitors until astoundingly, he just closed shop. Now this, and many other stories that are written about the Chavetz Chaim seem wild, though this is the man that his students attest that he was. He was, though, consumed with this concern of not taking what didn't belong to him. He was consumed with not wanting to damage others. And there's no question, the Chavetz Chaim, as an individual, went far beyond the letter of Torah law. But that was, at the end of the day, the Torah spirit that formed who he was, and that's the kind of change that the Torah brings about. The Chavetz Chaim was one individual, but what Yeshayahu is really teaching us is that the Torah spirit can bring about a change in all of humanity. Now let's step back from this prophecy and ask what's happening on a larger scale. The prophet describes a number of miraculous events, though the Rambam understands them to be metaphorical. But even granted that the wolf lying with the lamb is a metaphor for nations having peace, the prophet is still describing something that transcends nature. An intrinsic part of our world is that people and animals have a tendency to see others as their prey and to conquer. And the vision of Yeshayahu foresees a time when this human and animal tendency will be overcome. And in that time, many things will happen. Sheep will walk with wolves, lions will eat hay, children will play at the viper's hole. In our present world, none of these things happen, and yet, in a future time, all of this will transpire. 
at least on a metaphorical level. And this is a riveting idea. Even though the Rambam understands all this to be happening in a natural sort of way, you can't get around the fact that it still is a miracle. Predator wolves, be they literal or metaphoric, see and attack their prey whenever possible. And yet, in a future time, it won't be like that. There's certain limitations that we take for granted in life. Isaiah seems to take these limitations and cast them into the wind. Yeshayahu is teaching us that it really is possible to transcend nature. And so this vision of a future Mashiach that we read in the last day of Pesach was read because Pesach is the Chag where we declare that all limitations of nature really can be overcome. If the Jewish people languished in slavery for hundreds of years, in the blink of an eye, they were redeemed. Have you ever had a moment in life where you had a problem you were experiencing? It might have been going on for weeks or months, even years, and then suddenly the issue was solved. When we feel a positive change happening quickly in life, we can experience that sense of God's hand redeeming us. And so that message of Pesach and the message of Yeshayahu is one and the same. The Jewish people overcame nature, both past and future. And every one of us can and will transcend our own limitations. But today, going forward in this period of the Omer and towards Shavuot, how do we achieve this vision? Let's think back to that messianic leader who ushers in the period when there will be knowledge of God. This person will be imbued with a spirit of the fear of Hashem, a spirit of wisdom, righteousness. But how does he attain that? Is it merely a gift from God? Now, there's no question that there is a gift from Hashem involved in here. You can't get it without God's gift. And yet the Rambam says that this leader will be a person with knowledge of Torah, who's osek, who's occupied in Torah. Torah learning is the root and the source of the inspired spirit. And while the Messianic figure will achieve an extremely high level of Torah, every one of us can be imbued with the Spirit of God. And that's remarkable. In fact, Rebbe Akiva, as a common unlearned person, long before he became the Rebbe Akiva that we know, intuited that Torah could change his nature. As the Midrash relates, how did Rebbe Akiva begin studying? He was 40 years old, the Midrash says, and never studied Torah. And once standing by a well, he asked, Mi chakak evan zu, who hollowed out the stone? It's the water falling on it, day after day, the people told him. Rebbe Akiva thought to himself, If the soft water can pierce this hard rock, Divrei Torah, Shakasha Kibarzal Al Achas Kama Vakama, Shi Chakaku Libi, Shubasar Vadam. If the soft water can pierce this hard rock, surely the words of Torah, which are as strong as iron, will be able to engrave themselves in my heart, which is flesh and blood. Immediately, Rabbi Akiva turned to learning Torah. While Rabbi Akiva understood that the human heart has its own tendencies and direction, he also understood that words of Torah can shape the heart. The only condition is that it happens over a long period of time, over many days with the water of Torah dripping slowly upon the heart. In the end, Isaiah says, 
Mashiach does not judge by his own biases, his own inclinations, by the vision of his eyes or what his ears hear, but rather he will judge by the spirit of Torah, what comes from God, but is now inside of him. That spirit of God is the imprint of Torah upon his soul, and through that he will judge. During these days of the Omer, we're charged with drinking the water of Torah learning over many days. We can transcend nature in our lives, and it comes to a long-term process where the water of Torah is absorbed in our lives. When we take these steps in life, we can become filled with a spirit of knowledge and understanding, a spirit of knowing Hashem. When we allow Torah to drip every day of the Omer, the cumulative impact that we attain is the Spirit of God. And that is something that every Jew can do, whether it's learning Daf Yomi or Pirkei Avos, Daily Inspiration, an English book on the Parsha. We all can connect to this Ruach, to this Spirit of the Torah. And so make sure, whoever you are, that you take advantage of this time of year. Find some form of learning. Maybe it's a podcast or a daily email or something more in-depth and set that Torah learning as a fixed part of your daily schedule. Because as we take these steps forward in the coming days, we're bringing our world to a time when the earth will be filled with the knowledge of Hashem, like waters cover the seabed. Thanks for being with me today. I'm Ken Brodkin, and this is the Jewish Growth Podcast.